Coming up on this episode of East Screen, West Screen, we've got some Lunar New Year films to talk about for 2019. It is the holidays, so not a lot of news, but wishing everybody happy holidays. And for our films this week, Kevin's going to talk about Master Z, It Man Legacy, and I'll be talking about the Indian film 2.0. This is East Screen, West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Hello and welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about a film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and some other stuff in between. I'm your host, Paul Fox, sitting here in sunny South Florida. And coming to us from his news desk in a very festive, fragrant harbor is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hey, hey, hey. How's it going there, Paul? Hey, hey, or should it be ho, 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 right? Because we are uh, in the midst of December and I know that Hong Kong has had uh, all their holiday lights kind of up and about for a while now. And uh, you're getting ready for the holidays. You're going to be taking your holiday sort of vacation trip stateside in about just over a week, right? Well, it's not really a vacation if I'm going home. Because, yeah, that's you know, true. It's, I, yeah, it's going home. It's going home. I'm, going back to San, yeah, I'm going back to San Francisco uh, as I do for, as I usually do uh, in Christmas. Uh, yeah, I fly out on Thursday and I'm doing about 10 days there, which is about pretty much the maximum time I can I would like to spend at home, but no, it'd be good. It'd be good. Spend some time with family, see some friends, um, and then complain about the cold and have incredibly slow Wi-Fi. It'd be it'd be good. <laughs> yeah, all the all the perks of being back in the United States, and of course all the all the news and stuff that uh, goes along with that. But we won't get into that for now. Um, yeah, it's been a it's been a crazy year to be sure, and uh, we've. I mean, the shows in this past quarter have been pretty sporadic, and I do apologize for that. It's just been a matter of lots of life issues um, getting in the way. Uh, but we are here to talk about uh, some more current films, I think. And uh, we're going to talk about some news, too. So let's not waste any time. Let me throw the talking stick back over to Kevin with this week's news. All right, over in the news desk. Well, we we've done since we haven't done a lot of shows, and and you know, it, 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 we don't know when the next show is gonna be. So, um, I don't want to talk about news that's too timely or that's too contained my time. Um, so we're gonna cover something really big this this week, which is the Lunar New Year films for 2019. Now, I don't know what's going on in Korea just yet because they don't quite announce these things um so soon, and I I don't follow it as closely as I should. Um, and Japan doesn't celebrate New, New Year, um, and I'm not sure what's going on in Southeast Asia yet, but we already have a pretty solid idea of what we're going to watch uh, for Chinese New Year in uh, China and in Hong Kong. So I'm going to jump straight into it because Chinese New Year is probably the biggest, the most competitive holiday slot in the year now. It's just a ton of films opening because the New Year um, period is pretty long. And um, and because it's most likely that a lot of shops will close in in, in China, especially in China, 
during that period and it's a longer holiday than usual it's like four or five days at least and people what they do is they go to the cinema so the box office revenue for the chinese new year period is has become sort of the most the biggest um and it's the easiest place now you can put to uh to to make money if you want to you're in the movies but it's also the most competitive so you really have to bring your a game now um so china this year we have a couple of films we have um wu jing going into space um it's, he didn't direct it uh i think uh it's based on a novel by the writer of um the free bodies uh was it the free bodies something paul was it free bodies oh uh, uh free bodies. body project no something project <laughs> problem problem the free body problem yes three body right? problem that's right uh from that writer uh as a novel by him the film is called the wandering earth and i think it stars wu jing as as an astronaut so kind of an interstellar-esque story although i don't know if wu jing is as good as actor as matthew mcconaughey or if the director is as good as um Christopher Nolan, I, I really doubt it. Um, but on the more funny side of sci-fi, we also have the new film by um, uh, Ning Hao, who, who's directed um, Crazy Racer, Crazy Stone, uh, uh, Breakup Buddies. He's one of the biggest China's biggest um, um, comedy directors. He also produced uh, Dying to Survive, which is one of the biggest films this year. Uh, his new film is Crazy Alien. I think it... Um, uh, reunites him with Huan Bo, uh, one of his own favorite actors, uh, and Shen Tang, who, who was in um, who was in Goodbye Mr. Losers, become a huge comedy star because of uh, his uh, films with uh, Happy Twist. Um, so that's sort of funnier sci-fi side. Uh, you also have a new film by Han Han, the writer, the prominent novelist. He did Duckweed, um, which made a ton of money a couple years ago, back in New, new, new Year. Um, he also made uh, The Continent. So his new film um, is coming out again, New Year's. Uh, although I'm not sure if the cast will make as much attention, will get as much attention as, say, a uh, film like Crazy Alien or... or um, uh, the new Jackie Chan or something like that. So yes, we do have a new Jackie Chan film, The Night of Shadows Between Yin and Yang, where um, Jackie Chan plays a very famous, um, is sort of very Lao Tzu-esque um, film. It's like a Twilight Zone, not like a monster film. Uh, and he plays like this uh, paranormal detective, but it's like a period film. Uh, so it's a bit different from what you're used to seeing from Jackie Chan. I don't think that's getting a day and date released in Hong Kong, so that's probably strictly just um, of China. Uh, and then, uh, last but not least, and I'm not sure if I covered everything, but of course, it's a year of the pig, so China is getting a Peppa Pig movie. So, Yay, well, actually, Muddy, muddy yeah, Puddles, Muddy yeah. Puddles. Yeah, it seems like it's a Chinese Peppa Pig movie. I don't, I can't tell. Is it, there's is a, it traditional animation, or is it... No, it's animation. No, I, God, if it's live action, that would be a big problem. <laughs> no, I, I think it's a China, Chinese localized version of the Peppa Pig movie. I can't tell. Mm. Um, but there's a Chinese name as a director and writer, and then there's also British people, so it might be a combination of the two. I'm not sure what's going on, but it's a year of the pig, so if you don't have a pig movie, you know, it wouldn't be Chinese New Year. Mm. Um, Hong Kong... Uh, Hong Kong, we have uh, just strictly Hong Kong released so far. As far as I know, it's a new Wan Chola musical, which is backed by Eric Zhang. Um, that's been released by Golden Scene. Uh, quite a few TVB stars because of Wan Cholam's uh, status of TVB. Um, we also have Andrew Lamb's directorial debut, which is backed by Teddy Robin. Uh, that 
looks a bit weaker on the side of the cast. It's called Lifetime, a Lifetime Treasure. It has um, Louis Chen and Bob and uh, Teddy Robin, obviously. Uh, <clears throat> and the cast, you know, it looks like sort of a second tier uh, New Year's comedy. Sorry, I had to say it. Uh, but, you know, it's Andrew Lamb doing it, so it might attract some attention, but who knows what's going to happen with that one. Um, and, of course, we have Pao Chan's first Lunar New Year comedy. Again, that's also a bit weak on the cast side, but it looks like June Lamb from the, the, the last two uh, uh, Love Love Trilogy films will be sort of taking a bigger role. And also um, Isabel Locke, uh, I think that's her name, also one of the supporting players from that, that series. They'll be taking a major role. But it does have cameos by um, Gigi Lun and Michelle, uh, well, Miriam Yun. Uh, I think Patrick Say also did can't does a cameo. Isabella, um, I don't remember Isabella's last name anymore. Oh my God, Isabella Lun, right? Yeah, yeah, Isabella Lun. But but it's, uh, she's is she still married to the Richard Lee? No, that was a long. They, they divorced a long. They oh, split okay. a long time ago. I don't think they were even married. They were just like they never got married. But they had a kid, right? I mean, they were. They had like, a kid, yeah. but they never got married, yeah. I think. They had one or two kids, I don't remember. But no, no, it's been a long time. Because she tried to make a comeback. Uh, well, she was. She came back. She did an acting role for Sylvia Chang a few years ago, as you remember. But she largely stayed, still wasn't a full on comeback quite yet. Um, so this is another smaller cameo esque role. Uh, I think she's just slowly sort of taking her time. I don't think it's a full on comeback or anything like that. But that one also should be fun. So the two overlaps this year, we have Stephen Chow's New King of Comedy, which does not star Stephen Chow. It's uh it's it stars uh uh Bao uh, um uh, Wang Bao as the new king of comedy, so you know it's not going to do well in Hong Kong already, unless he has um, some really big star to 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 uh, dub him, or he gets some really big star in, in that supporting cast. Um, and then uh, you have uh, the new Alan Mack ICAC film, which is not called Whatever Storm; it's just called Integrity. Even though, just like <laughs> the Storm movies, just like the Storm movies, this one apparently plans to be a trilogy. I have seen the film already because I am subtitling it. Oh, I've done subtitling it. Um, they're rushing post-production now uh, because they're opening on the first day of New New Year, which is in less than two months. It's about a month and a half. So I've just seen the film, and it's the only sort of serious, quote-unquote serious film. But it does have the biggest cast. It has uh, Lao Cheng Wan, it has Karina Lam, and it has Nick Chun. So, you know, it's a really solid cast, and uh, I can't say much about it. But I really hope it does well because it's coming off the back of uh, the success of Project Gutenberg, uh, which is now, I think, Hong Kong's second highest grossing film of the year uh, in terms of local films. So uh, I really hope this one does well. I think it's a very solid entry, uh, um, although um, who knows how it's, how it's going to go in that market. Uh, of course, then Hong Kong also gets a few foreign films who get Alita Battle Angel, and I think we get an animated film. I don't remember what what else, you know, for the kids. So it's going to be very, very busy period that week. Um, and I feel like I'm going to have to be in the cinema most of the time. So probably shouldn't be recording during that time. I'll probably be in the cinema watching all these films. Now, I mean, you did mention quite a few films, but the one name that didn't pop up is uh, the tanned one, right? Mr. Louis Koo. He's got to be in something. The tanned one is in a film at the end of the year called Kung Fu Monster, which comes out next week in China, but uh, January 3rd in Hong Kong, and that's the Andrew Lau film. Um, you never know. He probably might 
pop up in one of the in one of the Lunar New Year the Hong Kong films. Mm. Um, he's very likely. My, uh, my fingers crossed for the Wang Cholam musical because I want to hear him sing. So that is not going to happen. My, <laughs> I mean, even if he's in a musical, he probably is like, I'm not singing. I'm not singing. Don't get yeah. me sing. Just like just talking. like that. What was it? That commercial spoof they did, and he didn't really want to partake. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> he was spoofing his own song and didn't want to sing. Yeah. Like, what the hell? Um, yeah, no, nothing from the, uh, the the Cooster. Nothing he's starring in, at least. We didn't get a Cooster film last year, did we? Leading film? Um, he didn't lead in a New Year film last year. I think we had Monkey King. We had... Uh, did we get a Stephen Chow movie last year? Uh, oh, da, 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 no, I think we... we, we, we was he's not in the no, storm? Was he in the, one of the storm movies? The storm movie wasn't new to New Year. The storm movies came out a few months ago. Yeah. Um, so there was Monkey King. There was Day of One. Monster uh, Hunt there, Two. Monster Hunt Two. Uh, then there was uh, what else? Local film. Operation uh, Red Sea. Operation Red Sea is not a New Year film. Thank God. Wait, was it? It was around New Year because that's when they released it here. I don't know if it got an earlier release. Um, on your side of the woods. Definitely got it earlier. Wait, yeah, it was a Lunar film in China. Yeah, that was that was not a Cooster movie. Um, yeah, so not a not a Cooster movie. So mm-hmm. no no Cooster movie, right? Yeah. So I mean, aside from the uh, the what is it? The uh, I forget the name. Uh, the Wujing sci-fi floating planet movie. Interstellar. Uh, Wand- yeah. Wandering Earth um, is. Uh, I mean. Because last year you had a couple really big budget things. You had Monkey King three, um, you know, you did have Operation Red Sea, which is, you know, a big war action thing. You had uh, Monster Hunt two. Is there? I mean, it looks like a lot of the films are going to be smaller films, um, ex- with the exception of Wandering Earth. Maybe Crazy Alien. Does that look like a bigger budget film or? Well, Ling Hao films are always bigger now because he's such a big director. He's such a big name director. Um, I mean, Jackie Chan is going to be pretty big budget. It's a period fantasy, mm. so there's obviously going to be lots of um, special effects. Um, and then you have uh, not quite a. I mean, the, the ICAC film. The the budget is. I mean, it's, it's a very serious. It's a very big production as well. They they shot a good part of it in Australia, and you know, it's a. It's a, it has big stars. Uh, those stars are not cheap to get. So you have that. The solid. Always a solid contemporary drama. Um, it's not a big action film at all, even though you have big stars. Um, no, there's still you still get a share of, of pretty you know solid big budget things. I mean the Han Han, who knows sort of mid budget thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, I mean Stephen Chow also you know you know Mermaid costs seventy million US dollars. So you know don't 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 uh, don't underestimate the budget of a Stephen Chow film, even when it's just called New King of Comedy. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he may surprise us. Is Raymond Wong anywhere to be found in this uh, New Year's lineup? Uh, no, Raymond Wong is doing Christmas instead with It Man, which is which was what we're going to talk about soon. Um, he sort of ducked out of Chinese New Year because all his previous New Year New Year films sort of lost money. Mm-hmm. So, so he is sort of ducking out. I think these couple of years, and the only New Year films that he thinks people will associate him with with is the Also Ezwell franchise. So, after those. The dose flopped. I, I think he has sort of decided to to duck out of it. Yeah. So I mean, I guess if you're somebody who's looking for the more traditional Lunar New Year, you know, Hong Kong film, you've got the Wong Cholam, Eric Zhang film to look forward to, and 
possibly the Pang Ho Chum film. Well, and the Andrew Lamb. The the uh, Teddy uh, the one by Teddy Robin. That do you think that's yeah, gonna be more yeah, yeah. a more traditional uh, Lunar New Year film too? Yeah, yeah, because it's it's it's, it's it's yeah, it's definitely a Lunar New Year comedy. I mean, he mm. sold it as that much, and it's called Lifetime Treasure. I mean, that's such a Lunar New Year film. It's such a New Year <laughs> film title, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think the one, the more traditional one would be Wan Cholam and Andrew Lam, because those are the sort of they back by either older guys or done by older guys. Power Trail be a little different because you know he's edgy, you know he's got a female, big female cast. Um, and uh and what else uh i, I just imagine the chow I, I just imagine pang ho chung he's gonna he's gonna trick us he's gonna he's gonna like lead us into this sort of very traditional you know quirky happy-go-lucky comedy of errors thing and then by the end everybody's gonna die because <laughs> <laughs> that's what he does no. right he... i think this is sort of his gift his gift to hong kong because he's gonna go off for a couple of years to to do um duke of mount deer so he's like okay well before that before i dive into this big free film project okay i'll just do something really quick like they just started they finished shooting like last month like they just finished shooting like like three weeks ago or something so it's put together in a very new new year way new new year film way you know what i mean mm. like very quick production very short post-production just like thrown into the theaters this is like the old power turn that we miss um so i look forward to this yes indeed i look forward to a lot of it I don't know how much of it's going to get over here, but if last year was any indication, hopefully we'll get a majority of stuff over here stateside because um, there's quite a bit that I would like to see for sure. When we come back, Kevin's going to give us his review of the latest entry in the Ip Man franchise, Master Z Ip Man Legacy. East Green, West So up first, Kevin's review of Master Z Ip Man Legacy. Yep. So um, this film doesn't open, like as I said earlier, the film officially opens in Hong Kong uh, on the 21st, December 21st, and in Taiwan uh, for Christmas, and same, I think, in China around Christmas time, even though China doesn't celebrate Christmas, the year-end period is another very lucrative um, box office period. So this this is producer Raymond Wong's big entry, year-end entry. Um, it was the closing film of the Busan Film Festival. It also showed at the Golden Horse Film Festival because it was nominated for Best Action, even though the uh, I think the festival intentionally put it on a weekday Tuesday morning at 10.30 in the morning and just one single show because they wanted as little people to see it as possible. But... They didn't see. They didn't predict that I was going to be there. So there I was. Um, so I've seen the film. I saw actually. I saw the film with Ross um, uh, from Ross Chan from of HK Film. We were both in Golden Horse, so we got to wake up really early on a Tuesday morning to see this film. Um, anyway, the story. Um, if you remember, there's a spinoff of the Trenton Chi character. Trenton Chi character from It Man Free. He was played by Max Chang, um, and. Last time on It Man, uh, he was he was defeated by It Man in the end of It Man Three, and he decides to um, leave the martial arts world, um, and then this is sort of a continuation of that because it's not a prequel. You think it's a prequel, but it's actually not. So anyway, the story after Trentin Chi, played by Max Chung, is defeated by It Man in It Man Three. He leaves the martial arts world for a quiet life with his son. By accident, he rescues Julia, the sister of Bar Street's master, Chiu Kung Fu, and Nana, played by Christy Chow. 
even though Chern starts a new life on Bar Street, it also puts him in trouble with local gangster Cho Sai Kit, played by Kevin Chang, whose older sister, played by Michelle Yeoh, is the head of one of Hong Kong's most powerful crime families. Um, so let's face it, this isn't going to be like a big epic gangster epic or it's not going to be, uh, um, you know, a big martial arts movie. Is It's going to be uh, another excuse to get Mass Jang to kick plenty of asses on screen. And it's very successful in that regard. Um, he was one of the best things about It Man 3. I've not been a big fan of the It Man franchise. Um, I thought one was okay. I found two incredibly, incredibly xenophobic uh, and, and really ugly in that xenophobic way. Um, and I found three just sort of clunky. Um, but, you know, you, you have that fight with Mike Tyson, but no one remembers. Uh, so, but I think Max John was one of the best things about It Man 3. You had that mini shade of gray. His character was sort of good, but sort of but becomes bad. Um, but not really bad to that point of like, you know, you have to kick his ass because, you know, apparently only only um, moral complexity should only be given to Chinese characters in a film like It Man. Um, forget the foreigners. Um, he is one of the best things about It Man 3, so, you know, he's not a bad character to get a spinoff. The story is a bit clunky here as well. The, the, the characters are hardly memorable. It's a very pulpy story. You know, Chen Tai Chi takes on the gang, and of course there's a a foreign bad guy that I don't want to ruin. But if you're expecting, if you're thinking that Yun Wo Ping, you know, Yun Wo Ping, the famous action choreographer, if you're expecting him to not be sitting back and let someone else direct the dramatic scenes, then you're just kidding yourself. Because let's face it, Yun Wo Ping is not a storyteller, right? He's an action director. And that's what you're going to get, really great action scenes. In fact, Chrissy Chow's character's name should just be Nana Plot Device, whatever her last name is, because no one knows her last name. She is a, and, and she's just really just a plot device, and no one really cares her actual character. It's just that she serves a function in the story, and she serves that function very well. And I'm not even like being like giving any innuendo or suggesting anything. No, she really does. In the end of the day, she's a plot device. Um, and yeah, so that's it. Um, the film actually starts with Chen Tin Chi. Uh, when he leaves the martial arts world, he becomes like this professional thief. I'm not. I'm not even talking about Robin Hood. Like he, he's a solid, like real thief stealing stuff, and which would have been such a kick-ass movie. But because Chen Tin Chi has to be a good guy because he is the head of this. You know, he's the star of the spinoff, and he's inherently a good guy, and he has to be righteous all the way through if he's going to get a franchise. So, the beginning of the film, he's like, "I'm done stealing," and then that's it. So unfortunately, even like the best part of that story is completely thrown out the window by by the end of the first like fifteen minutes, um, and so you know the the rest of the cast isn't that good. Max Zhang again, not a great actor. He has some presence, but he's a great martial artist. Let's face it, great martial artist, not really a great actor. Um, Kevin Chang is a bad guy, not a great actor. He's a great over actor, but not a great actor. Um, uh, 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 who else? Um, the, the the female Li Liu Yang, not a great actor, not a great character. In fact, Dave Bautista is actually the best actor you've got in the film. Um, he plays this uh, a restaurant owner um, named Owens, and you know, remember this is a Ip Man movie, and he's the foreigner in an Ip Man movie. So even though I'm 
trying not to ruin anything for you. I think you can tell where this is going. Um, but the thing is, when Dave Bautista is the best actor you've got in the film, you're pretty much in trouble. So this is what I mean about like not expecting your wall painting to actually be directing acting. Let's face it, it's not going to happen. Uh, however, the action is actually choreographed by Yuan Shunyi, who is um, Yuan Wapeng's brother. And the action is really all you need to care about. Um, he was nominated for a Golden Horse for this film. He didn't win, but he I think the, the nomination was very well deserved. There is a great fight scene between Michelle Yeoh and Mesh Zhang, which, let's face it, everyone is showing up for this um, to this film for that scene. Um, however, Michelle Yeoh seems to be seems to have trouble getting out of her crazy rich Asian role because on the other scene, she just sort of played that role all over again. Or it could be the other way around. I can't tell which one shot first. So maybe Michelle Yeoh did this film first and that's where she got the idea on how to play the crazy rich Asian role. I don't know. The timeline is a bit blurry to me. But either way, it sort of overlaps because you've got this sort of powerful head of the family character. Um, even though uh, Michelle Yeoh is actually less evil here than she is in Crazy Rich Asian. Um it's it, it's it's still a very commanding role, and you know Michelle was never a bad actor, and and her fight scene is great with Max Jong, so there's no 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 doubt about that. Uh, there's also a gratuitous cameo by Tony Jaa. He does have one fight scene with Max Jong. Otherwise, don't ask me what he's doing here because I don't think Tony Jaa knew either. He was just sort of he didn't have a single dialogue. He just showed up and did his thing, and then get got out of the film. Um, uh, but otherwise, the other action scenes are great. There's a big fight scene that's set atop the neon signs uh, of Hong Kong um, is pretty solid. Um, also, the end, the fight with the certain foreign actor that I shouldn't talk about, but we all know who it is, pretty solid. Uh, sort of like a power versus versus versatility thing, and it's it's a it's a pretty solid ending. Um, yeah, so let's face it, this is why you're here. Okay, the action scenes and and the action scenes are aces, um, and that's all you need to care about. As great as Max Shang is as a martial artist and as an action actor, this film isn't going to make him a thing. The break didn't make him a thing. Um, and this film is tied to a franchise with a much bigger martial arts star. So this film isn't why should Max Shang become a star because of an Ip Man franchise, where the Ip Man franchise squarely belongs to Donnie, um, Donnie Yen. And if his career, and Max Zhang's career, is all about him leading films where he validates himself by fighting over stars, older stars that people are paying to see, then who's going to pay to see him? People aren't going to pay to see, people still haven't paid to see a Max Zhang movie because no one's seen, no one's paid to see The Brink. And no one is going to pay to see a Max Zhang movie. They're paying to see because they see a Michelle Yeoh cameo or because they see it's an It Man franchise film or because they see it's Dave Bautista. I'm kidding. No one's going to see a Dave Bautista film. I'm sorry. Um, so it's a really weird idea for a Christmas film. But the thing is, I like Max Zhang and I enjoyed the film. This I enjoyed this film very much. Uh, but is this going to make him a big star? I really doubt it. And even if it is, it's kind of the wrong film to make him a big star. I don't think this film is going... Or unless people actually think Max Chang is a thing and people are paying to see Max Chang movie, then I'm sorely mistaken. And that the, the, the disappointment or the failure of a brink is just a, a fluke. Who knows? Um, anyway, not thinking about all this without putting all this you know, baggage... Um, as a non-fan of the It Man franchise, this is actually probably my favorite It Man film so far. Just because they don't 
there is still xenophobia here, but it's still a, a, a pulpy, solid pulpy entry. It's not trying to be Once Upon a Time in China or anything. Uh, and the action is really fun to watch um, because of its pulpiness. You know, you have you know gangsters and you have neon signs and jumping up and down and and people swinging swords because it, it doesn't take itself so seriously. So uh, it doesn't carry the back of national pride on its shoulder. So I find it to be actually my favorite because it's the least ambitious a man film. So there you go. I mean, do you think that? Uh... Max has enough presence to eventually break through? I mean, or do you think he's just going to keep being overshadowed by other contemporaries, you know, like um, maybe like Wu Jing or, or others? I, I'm thinking of, you know, like, because there was a time when Donnie wasn't really the presence he is today. He was, you know, guesting in martial roles against bigger actors than he was, but he had at least enough charisma eventually to sort of make a stand for himself outside of just being a martial artist. Um, and, but then you have others, I want to say, I mean, who've had credible careers like Vincent Zhao, but who, who was never really kind of able to get out of the shadow of Jet Li um, and establish sort of his own, you know, larger-than-life career the way that Jet Li did. Um, do you think that Max has the charisma to maybe do something like that? Well, Donnie had It Man, right? I mean, It Man was sort of the big local breakthrough for Donnie. Uh, well, he had SPL. So Donnie had a big project. He had a big, you know, that big film that everyone will remember as the turning point. Just like Jet Li had his turning point with Once Upon a Time in China, right? Or just like Jackie had his turning point with, um, let's say, way back when, like, you know, or because, you know, Jackie found his own style, so that's a bit different. But Jet Li had that big turning point with an incredibly, incredibly big project that really showcased him, just like Donnie had that incredibly big, um, incredibly turning point that showcased his talent as a dramatic actor. And Max Chang hasn't found it yet. You know, The Brink isn't going to be that project, and a spinoff of a of a of a of a franchise that had a much bigger martial arts star isn't going to be that film either. He has to find his own Once Upon a Time in China, but no one can give that to him yet because, first of all. These films don't make enough money in China to warrant a, a, a film of um, scale of like Once Upon a Time in China. Um, so if you're waiting for Hong Kong to do it, they're not going to have the money to do it because, you know, it's just not there anymore. And I feel like we've moved past, quite far in the past 20 years that a xenophobic martial arts film, it shouldn't be the new vehicle of a new generation of martial arts star. I don't know what that film is going to be or what kind of film is going to be that will carry Max Zhang as a big martial arts star but I really hope it's not another xenophobic martial arts film um, so let's see what happens and like I said I feel like it shouldn't be another xenophobic martial arts film because our, it needs to he needs to get the attention of this gen, this young generation of film buffs to get in and see him not the older generation of 40s or 50s uh, people who still clinging to that past Hong Kong cinema because that is dead. If he wants to be a new generation of action star, he needs to find something that captures the younger generation because that is going to be his fan base for 20 years, just like Jet Li had a fan base for 20 years. I don't know what that film is going to be because Max Zhang is still tied, so closely tied to that older generation of action stars because those are the people who are paying for his film. It's the older generation of producers who are paying for his film, not the younger directors. So I don't know what's going to happen here. 
All right, and welcome back. So for our second film review this week, uh, I'm taking a little bit of a trip over to Indian cinema with the review of 2.0. Now, if you're not familiar with this film, uh, this is a sequel to the 2010 film called uh, Anthiran, or Robot, as the uh, English, literal English translation of the title um, might appear on some versions. I have a DVD of of that sort of English translation version on the DVD itself. But you can find this on, uh, for example, Amazon. You can buy it on uh, Amazon Streaming, and it's listed there under the Anthiran name. Did you ever see that film, Kevin? Um, no, no, I, I am not. Um, I'm not knowledgeable in the charm of superstar yet, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So, the this was a film that made some waves uh, a few years back, simply because of the crazy uh, special effects that were being applied. Which at at the time it was like one of the most expensive films ever made. And although by Hollywood standards, some might look at it externally and think, you know, it's it's certainly not up to ho- current contemporary Hollywood standards. I mean, I think it's still it was fun and very entertaining for for what it was doing. And many of the effects sequences actually got packaged down into these short meme videos that were being circulated around on YouTube about, you know, hey, look at these. The, the, this crazy movie, and people were asking, where is this from? Where is this from? So uh, here we are, eight years later, and the story continues. And what is the story? Well, a mysterious force takes control of all the smartphones in Tamil Nadu and makes them disappear up into the sky. The government turns to Dr. Vasigaran and a council of specialists to try and solve the dilemma. But when the smartphones are linked to a series of high-profile deaths, (coughs) Vasigaran is called upon to reactivate his old robot Chitty in an attempt to help combat the problem. Yep, that's his name. Uh, But can science be used to stop this seemingly supernatural threat? So um, this is a Tamil language uh, film listed as a science fiction action film, uh, written and directed by S. Shankar. And if you've seen the first film, um, you know that the first film was a full-on three-plus-hour Bollywood film. Um, it is a science fiction action film, but it is also set with multiple musical sequences throughout. Um, this film is about two and a half hours, and part of the reason why I think it's shorter is because there's really no musical sequences throughout it. There's some music in it, but it doesn't take the traditional approach that the first film had where you just have, you know, the characters appearing in music videos and and singing romantic ballads at times. Um, They don't do that here with the exception of one big production number at the very sort of end of the film. Um, And I, I, in all honesty... I kind of wanted that. I wanted the the sort of format of the first film because I like that. I like going in because that's not something you see traditionally in your big, you know, Hollywood Marvel movies. You know, imagine, uh, you know, the the Avengers uh, Infinity War film as a musical. (laughs) And suddenly Thanos says, you know, I'm going to snap my fingers and breaks out into song. The uh, so I kind of miss that here with this film, but because it's uh, you know just at two and a half hours, it is a little bit more snappy. 
I would say. Um, and it might appeal to some people who aren't really into the, the full-on music videos that often appear in uh, your traditional Bollywood films. So if you've seen the first film, this pretty much picks up right where the first film left off, albeit 20 years in the future. Because at the end of the first film, um, there's a 20-year jump. So a little bit of spoilerage here if you haven't seen the first film. But um, because of reasons, Chitty the robot is disassembled and he's kind of put on display in a museum. And at the end of the first film, you know, it's 20 years in the future and there's a scene with him uh, kind of there in, in the museum. So that's where he is at the start of this film. And because it's 20 years into the future, that kind of is a little bit of a problem for the plot here because what you have is you have this kind of, um, I want to say it's an echo tech message that's very clearly directed at smartphones and how people use them and the over-reliance on them, you know, and a lot of the waste that's come about with them. And also some of the unknown issues, you know, of having cell towers all around us and the kind of damage that might be doing to the environment. So I think these are very clear echo issues that the director and the writer is trying to take on here um, in a very kind of in-your-face manner. But at the same time, if you're doing a 20-year jump from 2010 to this, where this film starts off in 2030, and the cell phones look the same... It's not really going to work, right? I mean, come on, <laughs> you're not, you're still not using your your standard phones. I, I, you would think that cell towers and and things like that would be uh, vastly different um, a good two decades later. But you know, maybe not. Let's you know, let's give it a little bit of slack for that. But um, so yeah, so it's picking up where the end of the film that the end of that film leaves off to start this story. Um, but it's really moving more into some supernatural aspects, whereas the first film was attempting to be pretty much just straight on science fiction. And so, you know, for some people that kind of blending may not really work so well. Um, but for me, I thought it was fine. It's science fantasy, really. I mean, you can look at both of these films as science fantasy. They're, they're not, you know, talking about hard science in any way, shape or form, but they are postulating again, different ideas. And one of the things that science fiction is really good at doing is talking about contemporary issues, you know, and that, uh, you know, people might be concerned about. So that's all they're doing here, really, um, with, with the, what they're packaging this narrative around. Um, so the main actor who's in this as the Dr. Vasigaran, who's in both films, and he also plays Chitty because he models Chitty to look like him, although a little bit more of a facsimilated version of him. Um, he plays both the roles in both films, although here, eight years later, he's a little bit older. I mean, he's 68 at the time of this, and he's doing action roles. And more power to him, I will say that. Um, but there are a couple of the scenes where he's running, and, you know, he's he's just not very youthful and spry. We might say um, his age is seemingly catching up with him a little bit. But beyond that, I still found uh, his performance and I liked seeing him take on the role of the robot Chitty again. You know, it was fun. And he brings this kind of Elvis style bravado to it, which I guess is considered very masculine for these style of films. 
Um, and it works. It works for me. It worked in the first film, and I liked it here. I think if you're not on board with him as a, kind of the leading figure, for the most part, you may not enjoy these films uh, that much. As I said, it's shorter, so there's not quite a, as much music that you have to put up with through this one. But there is this big sort of end number that they do, which seems like it. Like it's like they took all of the numbers they po- probably could have done throughout the movie and crammed them into this one big production number where there's, I want to say, at least five or six different set changes and costume changes, and they're all kind of sci-fi themed. And um, it's really fun and, and interesting to look at. Um, and I've seen you've seen stuff like this before. Um, you know, uh, the the main actress they have here, Amy Jackson, they've kind of got her dressed up in various uh, Metropolis style fembot looks and things like that. Um, and many and many at the times they're doing the floss. If you know what the floss dance is, do you know the floss, Kevin? No. Okay. Why? Yeah. The, the floss. <laughs> if you don't know what the floss is, look it up on YouTube. It's this dance that's become super popular, especially with the kids, that apparently one of the characters does in this online game called Fortnite as one of the, the character dances. And it's super popular with the kids. My daughter came home, she was doing doing it, and I was like, are you trying to do the floss? And she wasn't doing it quite right, and then I like looked it up on YouTube so she could do it right. But yeah, they're doing the floss in this end number, and I was like, oh, it's just, it's crept out to everywhere. Um, even Bollywood cinema, for goodness sake. Um but yeah, this is com- considered one of the most expensive films to date. I think coming in at around US seventy six million to make. Um, they actually, I think it's the most expensive ever. I think, yeah. Yeah, um, they actually approached Arnold Schwarzenegger for a role in this, and he uh, initially said yes, but he wanted such a huge uh, pay payout for it that I think the producers took a second look at it and said, eh, maybe not," uh, and they went with uh, somebody different. Um, there are, if you've seen the first film, there is a pretty high-profile actress who has an important role in that film. Uh, that character is kind of present in this film, but that actress is not. So you can kind of imagine some of the things that they're doing to carry on the narrative, even when uh, the, a high-profile actress like that is not on board or not present in the cast. Uh, they do bring in actress Amy Jackson, a uh, British actress, as the robot uh, Neela here uh, who looks great and um, I really liked her role as sort of a counterpoint to the Chitty robot. Some people may know her in the States as she's been on season three of the CW series Supergirl um, where she was playing the role of Saturn Girl from the Legion of Superheroes characters which I was stunned when I was doing the research because I totally did not recognize her when I saw her up there. Um, because they've got her made up as this fembot here. Um, and she just looks very different with uh, some of the makeup and the costume she was wearing. So, um, But she's been apparently doing a lot a lot of work in, um, in Indian cinema over the past few years. And the Supergirl role was kind of her first big break uh, into a Hollywood role. So uh, you may have seen her in that. Um, but yeah, so the, the, there's a deep ecological message here. Um, and along with the sort of science fantasy aspect of it and still a lot of the robot craziness and the really big spectacular special effects they're going for even more so than they did in perhaps the 2010 film. Um, takes a while to get to some of it, though, uh, as they cry, try and unpack this story. And w- what they're doing for a good portion of it really is more 
in the super supernatural and kind of scary aspect um, because one of the things they do to very good effect is if you think about um, things like World War Z or um, Train to Busan, right, where they have kind of these CGI zombie mobs, um, but instead of zombies, you've now got mobile phones that are kind of coming to life and taking shape, tipping on shapes and things, and using this phone's screens to uh, create images and um, having all the phones kind of vibrate at once to create this really ominous sound. Some really interesting and creepy moments um, used to really, really good effect. That really kind of just surprised me because it wasn't what I was expecting in in a sequel for them to go into this more supernatural, scary kind of area. Gets kind of gory at times. Um, I don't remember the first film being quite as gory. And in this one, I mean, there's a couple deaths that happen that are really kind of... And, you know, I, I was in a screening where families were there and there were kids and, you know, okay, cultural differences, I guess they, you know, they want to bring the whole family out to uh, these big event movies. But I was kind of like, these are some pretty young kids to be seeing some of this, uh, you know, some of this violence and some of this gore. Um, maybe they weren't expecting it either. But yeah, if you, this is something that you're planning on seeing, just be aware if you've got little ones. Uh, that there's some moments in this film that you may not want them in the room with you. So there are musical cues here, which are a throwback to the first film, but nothing really jumps out musically, at least for me, as it did with the first film. They do have they do have an original song that's done at the end, uh, which is fine. But when I watched the first film, I was like, something about the music and the musical numbers and the songs really hooked into me. And I ran right out and I, I bought the album and I listened to it constantly for a while. I didn't really feel that need um, with this film. So it's just, for me, it hasn't really uh, tapped into my consciousness uh, or a desire to really go back and and revisit uh, the musical side of it at all. And again, I'm not really a big music guy, but usually when uh, a soundtrack or certain songs hit me, they hit me hard and I kind of want to listen to them nonstop for a while. Um, and so, yeah, as I, as I mentioned, the character of Sana, who's a really big character in the first film, is kind of present but a non-entity here. Um, and again, you can just take a look at the credits list and see who's in the first film and who's not in this film to kind of, you know, figure that out. There is a mid-credits scene that happens just for fun. You know, it's like one of those things where they have some kind of animated uh, story credits for a while, and then there's a scene that happens right after that. So stay for that if you are going to watch this. I don't know if they're going to go for a third film. This film's done pretty well financially, although I think it's still fallen behind some of the other bigger films of late, like I want to say Bahubali and some of the others. So um, even though it's the most expensive, it hasn't broken records for in terms of uh, best box office uh, just yet. It's still behind some other films, at least at the time of this uh, particular recording. But if you were somebody who was who tracked down the first film and saw it and liked it. It's really more of the same um, with some bigger special effects, better special effects, some really interesting aesthetic choices at times. I think the story overall is interesting. Again, it's kind of this blending of genres, which may not work for everybody, but if you can suspend your disbelief at the door and grab a big bucket of popcorn and, you know, you like this kind of thing, I think you'll get a kick out of it. Um, so it'd be worth uh, tracking it down if it's not uh, 
playing anywhere near you. I would like to see the character again. I just don't know if the main actor, and again, I'm probably butchering his name, Rajinikanth, if I'm saying that correctly. I don't know. Uh, it's called Superstar. Yeah, it's Superstar. Superstar. He just yeah. goes by Rajin. And I mean, he literally is a superstar. Many of our listeners probably have never heard of this guy. I don't know about now, but he was drawing the biggest salary in Asia, um, topping out even Jackie Chan uh, <coughs> at a certain point. So, you know, this guy is is up there. So if you're not familiar with him, again, you know, this is you can check out the first one easily enough. I think it's I think it's on iTunes. I know it's on Amazon for purchase. Um, so if you purchase it, if you have the ability to purchase it, uh, region blocking shouldn't be an issue. Um, but I know that actually getting to purchase it can be problematic if you don't have access to U.S. iTunes. But there are ways around that. Um, but yeah, I'd say check out the first one if you like what you see. Um, the second one's bigger, not necessarily more entertaining, but it's you know, it's it's more contemporary in what it's doing visually. So. Uh, there's a there's a lot going on and you know just look at the trailer and you can see they give away a lot in the trailer so you can tell definitely by looking at that if it's for you um if you're a super fan and you saw the first one and you plan to see this one you might also want to check out um Shah Rukh Khan in the film Ra One which I want to say was 2012 do you remember Kevin um well, I don't remember the exact year, but I've seen Raw 1. That was yeah. also, uh, yeah, I think 2013, 2012. Yeah, it yeah. was on the back of the success of Robot as well. Right? Yeah, and, so. and uh, he actually, um, Rajinkanth actually makes a cameo as yeah. Chitty in, in that. So, you know, a little bit of uh, goodwill built in there um, and fun to see that character pop up there as well. And I, I, so I'd like to see him again if they decide to do a third film. I don't know if they will, um, but we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully, if they do do it, it's not going to be another eight years later, because I do think, uh, you know, what would he be? 68, uh, 76. I mean, <laughs> that, he, he might not, not want to be doing all the running and jumping and stuff, even, even if it's green screen. So, um, you know, so yeah, uh, definitely check this out if it comes your way. And if you like it and tell us what you thought, we'd be happy to hear from you. Is this one you think you'll ever want to track down, Kevin? I mean, I know you have different tastes or genre, with regard to these kinds of things, so no, I mean, I would love to see Robot. I had to watch Robot first. I feel like before that's why I didn't. Well, because I wasn't in Hong Kong when they were showing this, otherwise I might have gone too. Because you know, I actually haven't been. I haven't had time to watch Superstar because you know, Bollywood film is already hard enough to follow because there's so many films. So once we go into like Tamil cinema and Telugu yeah. cinema, South Indian cinema, and the first. Uh, first robot this is this one i know is big enough that it's sort of because ashe kumari which is a big bollywood star so it kind of straddles that line between bollywood and south indian cinema because superstar is big enough to transcend that border i just haven't had time to get to it it's just yeah. i'm just incredibly because you know robot i should have gotten to it years ago but i never did so it, it's going to take me some time before i get to this one listening to the East Screen West Screen podcast. Visit kongcast.com for more.
And you have been listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Our theme music was composed by Rob Jabor of Schnauzer Radio Orchestra. Researchers come from a variety of sources, but primarily lovehkfilm.com and the Hong Kong Movie Database. We also get a tremendous amount of moral support from listeners like you. So if you'd like to be part of the show, please do get in touch with us via the website at concast.com. You can find us on Twitter at concast. You can email us at eastscreen at gmail.com. And you can find us at Facebook at East S West S. As always, please do follow along with Kevin and all that he does. So, sir, where can they find out more about you? You can read my work on Cathay Pacific and Cathay Dragon. Um, I'm the entertainment editor of Discovery and Silk Road magazines. Um, so you can read the back of the magazine and find out what movies you want to see or what TV shows you want to see. Um, December, I cover... Um, well, forget it. I mean, <laughs> I, it's a running joke by now. No, I cover um, new films uh, by Spike Lee, Black Klansman, and Sorry to Bother, bother You. Um, and, um, yeah, other pretty good stuff. <laughs> and then I'm also on um, Twitter. I am at The Golden Rock. That's where I'm most active um, as far as social media goes. Otherwise, I'm really, uh, really, really swamped by work these days. And I don't want to get to um you know swarmy about the film industry so i don't say too much um i also have a website called asian cinema which i would try to uh and this seems like again a broken record i would try to run it again more actively next year so that's happening and then i can be reached at kevin at asia and uh pardon for the flu voice but that's what i'm fighting right now hopefully next show will get a lot better all right excellent um Yes, indeed, and also please do follow along with our friends over at the Podcast on Fire Network and all the great stuff uh, that they do. Uh, Kevin and I had the good fortune of uh, guesting on the episode for Fantasia, that is Hong Kong's Fantasia, not Disney's Fantasia, which was just released, I think, uh, about just over a week ago at the time of this recording, and that was big fun. Um, So please do give that a listen and listen to the other stuff that goes on there because it's all really good stuff. Um, not sure what's going to happen on the next episode, uh, when that will be, perhaps in the new year, um, because as Kevin said, he's going to be traveling and we got the holidays to contend with. Um, so, you know, lots of stuff going on. Uh, cinema wise, the only thing that I know, as I said, that's coming up that I'm kind of looking forward to, uh, for me is zero. Um, I don't know. I think that I saw, I think I saw one maybe one film that might be coming called air apocalypse do you know about that film kevin yeah, it's a chinese film um i think that's super low might be happy twist i can't tell what it is yet but it seems like it might be a minor hit that's the only film china lions got for the end of the year even though it's quite other bigger uh projects or the bigger films coming out and that seems like your end of the year choice for chinese cinema yeah yeah there's another thing i've got on the <clears throat> list here called kill mobile yeah that's a remake of a italian film called perfect strangers um actually there's already a the french version of that film is already on netflix called nothing to hide um there's also a korean remake called intimate strangers which i like a lot i don't think the chinese version is going to be any better or even be as good close to being as good but yeah that's that's what it is yeah so those are two pre-end of year film releases that may get a release near me um i i never know until a couple days before when i get on alert for that um so my fingers are not crossed and uh, after that we're in looks like we're into january with uh 
I guess it's the third Mojin film, Worm Valley. Um, and I haven't seen the other Mojin films yet. So if I... You probably don't need to. It's a new director, a new cast. So it's like a complete new thing. But uh, I guess... But it has a big... You know, the, the novel has a big following, which is why it's probably the biggest film at the end of the year because the novels have a big following. Um, and this one, although this one does not have Guadbo and Alois Shan or a big name director, this one is Fei Shin who did Silent Witness, which was okay. But... Yeah, it's it's bound to be. It's not opening until January fourth in the states, but it's actually an end of year film. Um, I think it comes out on twenty seventh. Mm-hmm. Goes directly up against Kung Fu Master in China, as yeah. far as I know. That's one I would like to see, and I hope it comes out here, um, possibly at some point. That's the cinematic life in this last month of the year. Um, so we will be back to talk about something at some point. Uh, not sure when or where, but we will let you know once we know. So all of that and more. <laughs> on our next show. Until then, this is the East Screen, West Screen podcast saying happy holidays and we'll see you next time. Happy holidays, everybody. See you next time.